Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. USC is one of those teams that could beat Alabama, Clemson any day of the week because of the talent level that they have. And you can just see it in the athleticism. You see it a lot on the special teams, like their kickoff unit, things like that. They're just flying down the field. And so this game, I think, comes down to who makes the least amount of mistakes and who wins the fourth quarter, in my opinion. Britton Covey right there as the Utes prepare to take on the Trojans coming up on Friday night. Uh, kickoff will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage here on the Zone Radio Network begins at 6. Do you think they really believe what they were saying, what Britton was saying there? Do you think he really thinks it's going to come down to who makes the fewer mistakes in the fourth quarter? Or do you think that he thinks that the Utes are the superior team? No, I, I think he probably believes that. But they can be the superior team, and that can still be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the big mystery with USC, and we talked about it a lot last week as they got ready for BYU, they got a ton of talent. You heard you heard Kyle Whittingham at his press conference yesterday talk about how they just draw a 30-mile circle around campus and have the, the pick of one of the best college recruiting grounds there is. And so, you, you know, Witt's out there recruiting against USC. He's well aware of the players that mm-hmm. the Trojans are landing. Right. Because he wants those guys. Yeah. And so he knows what kind of talent they have up there, and it's, it's great. But do they put it together? <laughs> Did you see that quote from, who was it, uh, Miami of Ohio coach? today when he's talking about Ohio State yeah. mm-hmm. he said it's like they get the first 80, 80 they get the first 85 picks in a uh, in a pickup game uh, <laughs> and I thought about that and he's he's, he's right. right yeah he's right and but- I'm not saying that USC has that kind of advantage over Utah but uh I mean, you look at that roster and look at, they're all four and five stars. Yeah, right. Almost all of them. And that doesn't mean that they translate to be automatic All-Americans in college. And Mm -hmm. that's not the end-all, be-all by any means. Because coaching, game plans, culture, those sorts of things matter. And that's kind of what- We saw that on Saturday. We absolutely did. You're totally right. And so, Utah, I would put, you know, their talent level uh, pretty close to USC's. Maybe more this year because Utah's really, really good this year and they've developed players, which yes, is something have. that USC has not done. So it's not the whole story, but they are good football players. And if they put it together, they could beat anybody, like Britton said, on, on any given Saturday. Absolutely. They have the talent to do that, but they, can they overcome the other stuff? And I would bet no because they, they're a disaster culturally. Well, Austin and I were talking about this. Uh, Urban Meyer is going to be at the Coliseum. Yeah. And uh, they had a guest on today who anticipates the USC fans chanting his name yeah. at some point during the that, game. That could get ugly. Now, if the Utes play up to their potential, that Coliseum atmosphere, and I'll be down there. I'll be looking for that. And uh, if I hear it, I, that, that, I mean, the home crowd can be more vicious than any road crowd. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. If they start chanting Urban's name, right? I mean, Clay Helton's going to be down there on the sideline. I, I maybe he won't pay attention to it, but he'll hear it. See, the, and PK has been hitting this on on his show, uh, and he's been around this league for a long time, and in, in USC and, and followed it for a long time. But he he talked about how Clay Helton was asked about the noise surrounding the program mm-hmm. after the BYU game. He says yeah. it's LA; it's always yeah. noisy, right? Uh-huh. Well, how noisy was it when Pete was there? 
<laughs> it was noisy, but it was a good noisy. <laughs> yes. It was it was everybody glomming onto the program because they were the bee's knees. Will yeah, Ferrell's coming to practice and was, all this stuff. There was no NFL team there. Right. USC was the professional football team. And you can take that any which way you want. So Clay Helton's he's actually taking the right stance. I mean that, you know, it's LA, there's a lot of media there. I get it, I'm tough, I can ignore it, and and I'm not necessarily criticizing the way he's handling it. But that stuff exists and he hears it. Oh yeah. Whether or not he acknowledges it or not, he he hears it. You know how sometimes we compare fan bases here. We talk about Cougar fans, we talk about Ute fans, we talk about Aggie fans, however they react. But USC fans traditionally, you can imagine what that's like. I mean, they think they should win every game, every national championship, get every Heisman Trophy. That's that's just the mindset down there. Now, maybe it's taken a little bit of a beating lately, but there are still people entrenched in that past, in the legacy of the program. University of Spoiled Children? Indeed. Isn't that their, yeah. their nickname? They didn't earn that for nothing. No, and Norm Chow said it so eloquently. He said, USC gets what USC wants, and that is the attitude down there. And so when they have a coach who isn't getting the program performing at the level at the unrealistic level that the fan base is expecting, then there is this noise. And Clay Helton has heard it, and he will hear it till the day he's fired. And make no mistake, one day he will be fired. It's a matter of when that day is. Well, then add on to that that Urban Meyer is just looking over his shoulder. I mean, he's actually going to be in the building on Friday. <laughs> I mean, that's that adds a whole new thing to it in that the, the president is trying to hire Gene Smith from Ohio State for the, the next athletic director job at, at USC. Hmm, I wonder why she's doing that. Let's solve a mystery here. As I, as I said, USC gets what USC wants. At least that's what they think. So how do you persevere in a situation like that? It's very difficult. Would you want to be Clay Helton right now? No. Are you absolutely. kidding me? Well, actually, I'd like to have his paycheck, but outside of that. <laughs> well, on the short term. But well, uh, I don't still know. Still set yourself up pretty that. good with a couple of years head coaching How much USC. is he? Is this We don't know. Year? We don't, because we private. might know the length of it, uh, but I don't know if we know how much it's uh, it's worth. It's through 2023. Is it really? So, so if he gets fired, he's going to be fine financially. Well, I, I mean, it's I'm just, surprised he got hired in the first place. I really am. Well, they they felt uh, like they shouldn't have let Ed Ogeron go and hire Sark, and so they they kept the interim guy who the players loved, and probably kept the wrong one. <laughs> uh, if you had to bet, uh, okay, five hundred bucks right now on the table, will Urban Meyer be the coach of the USC Trojans next season? Jeez, Mitt. Yeah, Mitt, Mr. Mitt Romney over there, just high rolling, five hundred bones. How about you're trying, lunch? You're trying uh, to do hundred uh, bucks, fifty bucks, twenty bucks, whatever. You dollar taking, menu taking food out of Sadie's <laughs> mouth, huh? Uh, no, I, I would bet right now that Urban is the coach at USC. Uh-huh. Do you think Urban is positioning himself for that? I yes. Mean, is this all part of the design? Yes. <laughs> and is that why he took the job in L.A.? Likely. Uh, is it, isn't that where Fox is, uh, is centered? Uh, it is. Uh, so, I mean, was this all calculated? And as Jake because, and I were talking, sea level's good for those migraines. Yeah, but, but look, I'm telling the, you right brain now, thing. Urban has, and it doesn't take brain surgery, but he, he has picked his spots perfectly. Oh, he's a master. 
an absolute <laughs> he looks master. At the roster, he looks at what the next step is, and can I win with that group of players? How hard will it be? How immediate will the turnaround come? And if it's immediate, then I'm on board. All you need to know is is when he was here at Utah, he had three schools that he was allowed to break his contract without a buyout for, right? Ohio State, Notre yeah, Dame, Michigan. and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, was it uh, Charlie Weiss or was it Ty Willingham who turned out to be a disaster at Notre Dame? And they fly the plane into Salt Lake and everybody thinks, oh, this is Urban's dream job. Of course he's going to Notre Dame. <laughs> Jeez. And then uh, all of a sudden, Florida comes calling. And he looks at Florida's roster and sees Chris Leak and Tim Tebow and a roster full of All-Americans that Will Muschamp can't bumble his way to six victories with. And he goes, oh, goodness. So in other I think words, I'll go to Florida. So in other words, the roster was a lot like USC's. A, a bunch lot. of four and five stars that are underperforming. Well, and then uh, at Ohio State, they had a built national championship team and a couple of bozos got some tattoos and all of a sudden wait a minute i think i think i'm tired of this tv thing already i think i'll take over at ohio state and you know he wasn't wild about how it ended at ohio state either no because i i don't know if you want to say he was pushed out or what but that that was uh untidy right and so i would guess Although he told me when he was here when we had our big sit down lunch that went on for like three or four hours. Very interesting. But he told me he would be done with coaching by the time he's 50. Yeah, he told his team that too. <laughs> so he'll, yeah, he's not that far off. How old is Irvin? 52 or something? I don't know. Anyway, you think he's coming back? I do. Don't well, you? I, if, Urban's 55. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay, so if he ends up at USC... That will not be a good move for Utah or any of the other teams in the South. Uh, because they'll be really good. They'll be really good. But it'll be good for the conference as a whole. It'll it'll well the it'll conference supposedly everybody. had a bunch of great coaches in it, right? Chip Kelly was supposed to be a great coach. What's going on with that? Well, Urban's got a much better record than Chip Kelly does, yeah. even at Oregon. So Chip I, I, also no longer has Uncle Phil's money. True. And Chip also picked a program that was sinking like a stone, whereas <laughs> Urban will pick a program that is a sleeping giant. Oh, man. I'll Give me you, a bunch of the, soft underachievers there at UCLA. Those Bruin fans wouldn't appreciate what you just said, although they might agree with it. <laughs> Two years ago at Pac-12 Media Day, somehow, I can't remember who was the player from UCLA. I think it was a lineman. And he was asked about, uh, you know, the reputation of UCLA being soft. And he was upset. They do not like that one bit. But, I mean, when you have decades of evidence, what are you, you know. Do you think they're called that because they wear that baby blue? No, I think it's because they get run over on the line of scrimmage (laughs) every single game. (laughs) That could be it. It might be that, I think. But if, if, if Urban Mark goes to USC... I would predict that they would be in the Rose Bowl regularly. But think about it. I mean, if Urban goes to USC just in time for the Pac-12 to negotiate its new TV deal and gets USC back on top, I mean, that could be a, that could be a financial windfall for everybody. Yeah, I suppose that's right. But 
you know, Utah fans want to see the Utes on the top of the South Division. No, I, 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 I totally get it. But I mean, that would be really good for the conferences. I, I, I don't know how Urban does it. I, I've said in the past, and I've seen other people pick up on this, and you know, I've been on this for a long time. That Urban made a deal with the devil somewhere along the way, because everywhere he goes, he wins. Is he really that much smarter than everybody else? No, he's smarter in this regard. He finds where the talent pool is deep, and then he motivates the living daylights. I think he scares the daylights out of his players, yeah. and they, they perform for him. That's not, that's not the way I would motivate if I were a coach, but it's pretty hard to argue with. Well, look at Utah. I mean, he looked at Utah's roster and looked at the, the rest of the Mountain West Conference at the time and thought, well, I'm getting better athletes than the rest of these schools if I go to Utah. I'm going to win a lot if I go to Utah. And he did. I think Urban has kind of ruined it for every other aspiring coach because he turned a program in a, in a, in a drastically improved direction so quickly. Overnight, yep. All right, let's talk about your column, Gordon. It's up, sltrib.com. Would encourage folks to go out and read it. Uh, headline, BYU should extend Kalani Satake's contract even though – He's not a miracle maker. You know, uh, this column was really inspired on Saturday uh, when when I watched the way the, the players were responding to Kalani. And I've thought this for a long time. Uh, but but really, what clinched is after we talked with Rob Morris yesterday. Great I mean, conversation. Yeah, was, Would encourage anybody to yeah, please give it a listen. Yeah, and you can find it at 1280thezone.com. But but he's right. I agree with him. And I think he's right. We might be wrong. I mean, if BYU goes out and loses the next seven games straight, you know, or whatever, won't. But if it did, then, you know, obviously you'd say, okay, wait a second. But it, it's I like getting in front of things. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But I, I think Kalani Sataki has the, the right makeup for what BYU – what BYU's coach should be. Now, is he going to win championships? No, he's not. But BYU is not structured to win championships, and so he's going to do the best he can for that particular school. I don't think you're not going to draw in an Urban Meyer and go undefeated. It's just not going to happen. And uh, so Kalani's not going to go undefeated, especially facing the schedules that he's asked to compete against these days. But he's going to get he's going to get I think uh, just about as much out of the players that BYU can can haul into its program as anyone could. Do you agree or disagree? No, I I I agree. Um, he needs to BYU has a reputation he needs to live up to, and I think that he he should be given some latitude, and that's why I'm glad he wasn't fired after the four win season because he should be given the latitude to get his recruits in. And show what because that was supposed to be one of his strengths. And at BYU, that requires more patience than at other schools because you've got missions, obviously. So he deserved some latitude. And last year, the program you could see is going in the right direction. You could see that last year. It's interesting that you bring up the recruiting thing because the first year when the Cougars went nine and four, those were Broncos players, and they had some fine players: Jamal Williams, year. Taysom Hill. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah, they had some receivers. They had playmakers. Fred Warner. And uh, and and so, 
And not just that, but Kalani had uh, some assistant coaches that were pretty much crammed down his throat, and he had to make the best out of that as he could. And then once that didn't work, then he rearranged things a little bit and was given the license to do that. So, yeah, I, I believe he's the right man for the job. Uh, and I think he can do as well as just about anybody else can at that particular school. But they have limitations. They have limitations as far as the financial resources that are poured into the program. They have uh, limitations regarding the kinds of athletes they can recruit. We've all talked about that a thousand times. They have academic limitations as far as how many players they can sort of waive the rules for or the academic standards. So these are all things that he's having to deal with. But I, I, I do think that those players respond to him and are, are pretty much doing the best they can. We saw, as we already said, we saw BYU beat USC. We saw BYU's quote-unquote inferior players beat superior players at USC because they were well organized, they were well motivated, they were played together, and they were better coached. I still, I I don't want to get caught, and I know this isn't exactly what you're saying, so I'm not trying to to uh, mischaracterize your column or, or what you're saying, but I I don't want to get caught in the well he's good enough frame of mind. And I don't think BYU. I think BYU is a better football program than that. And just say, oh well, he's good enough. Because See, I, that's, I, I think it depends that's, on how you define that. Because I don't think BYU is a is 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 a premium football program. But I loved like I loved PK's comment or his opinion at our roundtable, and I thought it was really eye opening when he said he, he's got to go out there and win eight football games. And you and I were going, well, that's going to be really tough. And we laid out our case why. And he says, I don't care. BYU is a good enough program that they need to go win eight football games I don't this know, year. I don't know if they are a good enough program to do that. And we're going to find out. Yeah. I mean, they were good enough to win two of these first four games, which yeah. I think is pretty darn good. And it certainly makes getting to that eight a lot more reachable. But I don't, you know, if you're a Because he's got three automatic wins in, in the mix this season. UMass, uh, Idaho State, and what's the other one? Oh, uh, uh, Liberty. Right. And then the rest are, you know, certainly winnable for BYU. Some more so than others, obviously. But I, the more I thought about it, I, I like PK's opinion. I, I think BYU can be a good enough football program that you can demand those uh, that standard certain years. I don't think that was fair I, last I, year. I don't know though. I, I think that as they and if you look at their schedule next year, I mean, come on. But you the should schedule have a- is absolutely brutal, and you look at it and you think with the kinds of athletes that BYU can get, can they win eight games against that kind of competition? I'm not sure that that's always going to be realistic. But what has been the uh, what has been the equalizer for BYU in the past, amongst other things? I'm not saying this is the the only well, reason. Well, the, the the primary thing was the passing game. A baller at quarterback. And Zach Wilson has has a ways to go. All right, so I, I'm by no means saying that that he is he is there, but he has the potential. I think if he continues to improve, to be a baller, be a Max Hall, John Beck type quarterback, where he's really effective at BYU. But and even those gotta, guys, Max Hall, I know he beat Oklahoma, but he didn't have to face the kind of competition that BYU is going to play next year. I, okay, fine, but they were great quarterbacks that had some great wins at BYU. And maybe instead of winning 11 games, maybe it's winning nine. But you can uh, – I think if you've got a real stud at quarterback, you can have a really good BYU team. Well, it takes more than that. 
It takes playmakers. You got to have someone to throw the ball to. You got to have somebody who can block. And when, when the, as the schedules have gotten tougher, this whole thing has become more difficult, and it, it, it's understandable. I mean, well, Lavelle didn't face this kind of competition on a regular basis. No, but how much? Okay, so from the BYU's glory days, how much has the talent diminished? Are they still getting the, as talented of teams, or do you think Rel- that's relatively down? speaking, I don't think so. Okay, and that—that's fair to argue. That's why I'm—I'm I'm throwing that out there. I'm asking a, a yeah, question. Well, I, I, well I, that's my guess. I, I don't think, relatively speaking, and part of the reason is because other programs out there have brought in more uh, LDS talent, and Utah is a good example. Stanford's a good example. I don't know how many PK and I were talking about this on our podcast. And PK thinks that, uh, that that there aren't very many coaches who are really tolerant of the LDS mission. I think David more, Shaw is, has, yeah. has, has embraced it. Obviously, Kyle Whittingham has Gary Anderson and, and the guys at BYU. But uh, I don't know how prevalent that thinking is that if you have a four-star athlete who wants to go on a mission, that a coach – in the Big Ten is going to say, oh, yeah, that's fine with me. Do that. I, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't sure about that. I'm still not sure. Aren't there more LDS athletes now than there used to be? Maybe. But it, back in the day when it came to football, I think BYU got more of those guys of, of percentage-wise. Well, but I think there are more of those guys because the, well, the church has grown, right? I mean, there's more, there's more members. Yeah, I guess. But think about the great LDS athletes that Utah has in its program. Right. Uh, and and Utah more than it have, used to, but there are Utah more, there's did, a bigger pool, though. Utah That's what didn't have those great athletes back when Lavelle was winning so many games in his, quote, as he used to call them, his glory years. I'd be curious to, to learn how many LDS athletes BYU is missing out on that—, that and, and I, there are some because we're talking about Stanford. Well, look we're at talking Utah's Utah. program. But I, I, I mean, Bronco went for years saying that they didn't lose any recruits, that they got everybody they want. You know, oh, I'd, well, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see what number that actually would be. BYU and Utah going head to head over an LDS athlete, and how many what guys? Was it, what was there that were? quarterback down there in Arizona that was everybody wanted so badly, and BYU couldn't get him? So I mean, th- this does happen. Think about if, if BYU had gone after Steve Young back in the day and hadn't been able to get him. Think about how that would have affected a, a, a mini generation of BYU teams. Maybe they would have gotten somebody else who would have performed, but not like that. More Big Show, straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.